This is KMUW Wichita Public Radio. Engage ICT is a community engagement event of KMUW Wichita. The following event took place on September 11th at Roxy's downtown. Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to Engage ICT Democracy on Tap. I'm Sarah Jane Crespo and I'd like to welcome you all this evening. We're going to have a really interesting conversation tonight. Um, before we get into it, uh, I'd like to thank our partners as always, Roxy's for the fabulous venue and the appetizer buffet. We Round of applause for Roxy's, it's always so delicious. And the Wichita Public Library for the resource guides that they provide to us every month. If this is your first time to an Engage ICT event, um, we have uh, those resource guides from all of the events that we've done since we started this project in 2016. So um, if you're interested in a, a topic that we covered in the past, um, you can find uh, information on all kinds of things over at the info table as well as some goodies. Um, so do check that out. Um, we also have uh, some information from uh, WSU's continuing education programs, um, which you'll hear more about here in a moment. So you can check that out as well. So thanks to Wichita Public Library for being our informational partner in these events as well. Um, and we're pleased to offer these events to you free every month, uh, but that said, if you would like to specifically support Engage ICT, you'll find a donation slip on a table near you. Um, we would appreciate any, any contributions that you'd like to make to the project. Um, also, sign up for, uh, we'll have a drawing at the end of the evening for a Wichita flag pin from Lucinda's. There should be a sign-in sheet going around. Okay, so let's get going here and introduce our panel. Um, we will start out um, and just kind of go down the line here. Uh, Elizabeth Brunshin Cartagena from the Kansas State uh, Extension Office. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do in your position? Well, good evening to everybody. Yes, my name is Elizabeth Brunshin Cartagena, long name. I'm a Hispanic, and I started with K-State Research and Extension since 2004. Um, and um, well, I graduated from university in Puerto Rico and I finished my master's degree at WSU and I'm working for K-State. So I'm kind of like hitting different universities at a time. So um, I, uh, I'm, my title is Family Life and Resource Management Agent and agent means a community educator. And so we go to the community to bring any research made by the K-State uh, University. So anybody that cannot go to the university still can uh, get some education uh, from research-based. Um, I am from Puerto Rico, and I have been here 22 years, and um, I like this place. It is a place of growing, a lot of opportunities that you can achieve uh, if you if, you, if your mind is uh, set to do that. And I love to bring any knowledge that I have to the community uh, to better themselves. I really enjoy that part. Thank you. Welcome to the panel this evening. Uh, next up we have Kim Moore from Wichita State University's Continuing Education Office. Kim, tell us about your work. Well, good evening. Uh, I'm Kim Moore, and I'm the Director for Workforce, Professional, and Community Education at Wichita State. So I'm delighted to be here tonight to talk about, uh, we have a lot going on in the area of community education. 
Uh, my office is responsible for both for credit and non-credit continuing education. Uh, I'm over the WSU Metropolitan Complex at 29th and Oliver where we have a lot of event and meeting space. I'm over the commencement office, the conference office, um, community education, lifelong learning, and a four credit program known uh, for badges. So it's a really a variety of programming. I work with students everywhere from summer camp age, that would be grade school, to I think our oldest student is 95 years old this year. So it is a wide variety uh, from 10 year old to 95 year olds and I love every minute of it. Uh, I've been working in adult education now for almost 30 years and the last 22 I have spent at Wichita State. So I'm very pleased to be here tonight to share with you some of the new programming that we have to offer. Thank you. Um, next we have Troy Houtman from Wichita uh, City Parks and Recreation. Um, why don't you describe your work as well and, uh, and how you came to be there as well. Good afternoon or good evening. My name is Troy Houtman. I'm the Director of Parks and Recreation with the City of Wichita. I've been in this position for about four years. I moved here from Austin, Texas. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit more about my background first and then I'll tell you a little bit more about my job. So I moved around quite a bit, but I, I was born in New Mexico and uh, moved around a little bit to move up the ranks and I got my degree uh, in accounting uh, from the University of Colorado, which has nothing to do with parks and recreation. Uh, and then as I moved up my career, I ended up getting my master's in public administration because I work in municipal government. So I've been pretty blessed and pretty excited about my opportunities moving forward and coming here to Wichita four years ago, uh, taking the job as the Director of Parks and Recreation. I've had a lot of chances to really learn about Wichita, but also an opportunity to grow Wichita in, in community education. So my job in Parks and Recreation, a lot of folks just think about it as uh, gym and swim, but we do a whole lot more than that. Uh, we I'll talk a little bit more about my programming a little bit later, but I partner with uh, the library. Uh, we have uh, community arts as well that we do a lot of work with them as well. And we do a lot of joint programming with all the other departments, the police department, the fire department, and, uh, and a lot of things in regards to health and wellness activities as well. So we, uh, uh, just to give you a little bit of a taste, we, we have a beekeeping class that is pretty cool. And it ranges from all over from, from that point as well. So hopefully we'll have a chance to talk a little bit more about that. I hope so. I want to know about the beekeeping class. <laughs> um, last on our panel this evening and uh, kind of jumping in at the last minute, which we really appreciate. Thank you so much. Michaela Gingrich-Gaylord from Oxford Senior Living. Tell us about yourself Hello. and uh, your job. My name is Michaela Gingrich-Gaylord. I also have a long name. Um, I am from, I, I, since everybody's saying, I was born in Colorado, but I claim Wichita is my own. I've been here a long time. Um, I'm the corporate engagement director for uh, Oxford Senior Living, which has 14 properties across the Midwest. And um, my primary home is Oxford Grand, which is out west. Um, I'm there some of the week and some traveling. Um, and my job is about engagement for seniors um, and kind of psychosocial engagement that ranges from working with WSU to working with Parks and Recreation to dealing with folks who have dementia and how do you deal with that in learning, um, trying to come up with creative programming that's outside of the box of your typical bingo Bible study and manicures, which by the way is fine, but we try to do a fair amount more than that. So that's kind of my role. My background is working in psychiatric with kids. 
Um, I went to University of Kansas and then to Friends University. I have a uh, background in fine arts, so I don't really know what I'm doing up here, but that's okay, because I figured it out. <laughs> and I would, uh, it would behoove me to say I was recent 40 under 40, so apparently some people think I might be doing something right, so. <laughs> Welcome. All right, well, uh, we're going to jump in here, and as we start talking, uh, please notice that you have uh, question slips on the tables there. Um, fill out the question slips with uh, whatever you'd like to ask our panel, and uh, we will kind of come around and pick those up as the evening goes on, and uh, we'll just we'll explore beekeeping and all kinds of stuff here. So um, the first thing that I want to ask, and this is maybe uh, maybe this is going to be a broader conversation than it ought to be, um, but I want to talk about learning not just for seniors, although that should be a big part of this, but just for everyone. Why is it important um, to always keep learning and um, what happens when we stop learning and exploring? Uh, Michaela, I know you have some of the research on this, but I mean, what are, what are some of those things that, uh, that you guys would mention? If you want to jump in, you go for it, Kim. Well, we're all about learning for a lifetime. Um, like I said, I work with a population anywhere from grade school to senior citizens. And um, we do a lot of work with working professionals, continuing education. And so it's really important that people stay engaged and aware of the new things that are going on. Uh, whether you are um, a student in grade school and you have the opportunity to be exposed to robotics in one of our summer camps or biomedical research, uh, you know, those are great opportunities for our youth. Uh, to a professional that maybe needs to update their skill set in order to get or advance in their job, or you're a senior citizen that wants to keep active and to uh, engage in meaningful discussion about current events, such as our national politics class, or you have an interest in learning more about science as going to one of our astronomy classes. Um, it's just so important to stay engaged and be aware of all the things that are going on in the world, and you can do that with community education in whatever form that takes. Here? Okay, I have to put it really close to my mouth, she said. Um, I think the importance of uh, continuing to educate yourself has a lot to do with continuing your curiosity. Um, you know, I, I think it's not about what, do we, what classes necessarily, from my perspective, that you need to take. It's about maintaining a constant sense of curiosity in the world. And I think when you stop doing that, some really significant problems can arise. Um, the brain can change when you stop asking good questions. And uh, there's lots of research to back that up, but um, I think that the most important thing is to remain curious. And um, I, I was blessed with an insatiable curiosity. It's also a curse, because um, <laughs> I wanna know everything about everything, and that, that's not quite possible. But I think for, for anyone, regardless of age, um, being curious and seeking out answers is, is a powerful part of being a human being and hopefully something you can do from 9 to 99. And I think most people want to. The old adage, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, is, is not true, from my experience. So to add on to some of those ideas and thoughts, from our perspective, from Parks and Recreation and from the city, we, we think of this as quality of life. Items that, that really 
beneficial to our whole community? What are some of the foundations to keep our community strong? And that is keeping people active, uh, having that curiosity, uh, keeping them fit and, and active. So those are all things that are really the foundation of quality of life in the city. And so those are the things that we really focus on, is finding out what are some of the interests out in the community, what are some of the folks that really want to learn, and who are the great teachers that are out there. And we want to match those folks together to provide some, some really interesting and fun uh, activities and, and educational opportunities as well. So those are the things that, are, that we're always searching for um, those next great ideas for our classes, but trying to find that interest from the community and finding out what, what is it that really interests them and, and finding that programming. But this is all based on, on the quality of life and, and the better we can do this, the more opportunities that we have for people to learn and engage in the city, the stronger our community will be. And, and so that, that sense is something that we really want to aspire to, to really do some great things here in Wichita. Reality is that things change so fast in these days. Uh, like technology, you can see that whatever you know now, in maybe six months is changed, and you have to keep up with that um, to be relevant and uh, to be kind of like functional sometimes. Um, but also, it's just like the desire of learning. Your brain will be very sharp, and, and all those connections, all that, that knowledge is just kind of like... Um, make sense and, and, and you're going to be kind of like different. You know, you're the person to go to ask. Um, and also, your, um, your knowledge make you be more flexible on circumstances. You're not that in that box. You're thinking out of the box because you're all the time learning uh, new things. So um, it's just different um, benefits that we have when you keep learning. Um, is there a, I'm imagining there is not a best way for individuals to begin something new, but are there some maybe some, a few different ways that are recommended to kind of get into a new subject? Go ahead. I think it's finding some good friends to drag you into something <laughs> that you've never experienced before. And I think that's a big part of it too, is getting over the fear of trying something new. There's a lot of opportunities out there to learn new things out in our community, uh, whether it's having the opportunity to go to the YMCA or, or WSU. Uh, there's a lot of other folks that offer great educational classes, and sometimes it's just this fear of getting out of what we normally do on, on our day-to-day -day basis. And uh, a lot of times we rely on our friends to kind of help us pull, it, pull us out of that and do something different, do something new. Uh, so we, we're always trying to explore on that. Uh, trying to make that connection with new groups to try to pull each other into opportunities for them to uh, share each other's experiences. I was just going to say, I'm, uh, I, I speak from kind of a captive audience. Um, I speak to people who live in one community, and so um, when, when talking about how do we get them engaged, and I think there's a big distinguisher here for me at least, the difference between activity and engagement or enrichment, this is kind of a, a word that's used a lot in, um, in senior living is, uh, do you wanna have activities or do you wanna have enrichment? And to me, I think of like enriched white bread, it's additive. So I think when deciding about what you're going to do, you have to ask the question, is it additive or does it keep you busy? And um, we can all do things to keep ourselves busy. I don't know that those are cognitively as stimulating or um, as important for lifelong learning, um, I can keep myself busy all day long, but there's not always things that challenge me. And so having friends that, that challenge you and ask good questions, I think having 
community partners like Parks and Recreation and WSU and you know Extension offices. All these people here um, are all exceptional resources to, like they said, you know, to find the teachers that you can match up. Um, in our communities, we ask a lot of questions of the people we're saying we want to educate or we want to engage and enrich. Um, and I think that that's a problem, is we're not always asking the people who are teaching, what do you want to learn? <laughs> and for adult learners, specifically seniors, um, they've lived a lifetime, turns out, and they probably have some pretty great ideas about what they want to learn. Um, so they're one of our greatest resources in our communities is who are you and what do you want? Talking about my audience in the community, I always tell them to start doing baby steps. Sometimes we want something that is huge and really is not um, something that you can attain. And I will say, you know, make your goals like a smart way. So S is for um, uh, specific, M is for measurable, A is for attainable, R is for relevant, and T is for uh, timely. So you can uh, have those in your mind and start like very slow, maybe in your comfort zone. And then when you're comfortable with that, then start some, you know, bringing something that is more not, not usual in your, in your life. Uh, but something that has to be slow steps so you will gain terrain as you go. Well, I think that some of our programming provides great opportunities for people to try new things in a safe environment. So for example, we have some cooking classes and a lot of people want to learn how to cook. Maybe it's decorating sugar cookies at Christmas time, but you don't want to invest a lot of money uh, or maybe you don't have a lot of money to invest and you can try, you can take a class and you can try it out and you can see, is this something that I would enjoy uh, or a dance class uh, or a yoga class or so there are so many things that you can try out as part of uh, a parks and rec class or a community education class or an extension class and uh, see if it's something you're interested in and also meet people who share similar interests to what you have and maybe make new friends if you don't have a friend to bring with you. Um, we, uh, we do a lot of day trips and we find that people make friends on these day trips, they come by themselves and they say, can, can I, do I need to come with somebody? And we say no, because you will meet people and they continue to go on our day trips and they become friends and so they make new friends to do things with who have similar interests to themselves. So it's a really great way to try something new, uh, low risk but high, high return. Um, I, I think this is a good opportunity to segue into some of the some of the classes or, or, or different activities that you all would kind of like to mention that maybe would be unexpected for our audience. Go to the beekeeping, go to the day trips, uh, what kind of day trips. I mean, I think a lot of that is kind of a, a whole realm that we don't really know about, this, these opportunities that are out there. Go ahead. Okay. Um, is that right, what I do? Okay. <laughs> Um, in our community, we do a lot of different things, and I, like I said, we have a lot of community partners, which is a huge deal to us, and every senior living community, if you know someone who lives in one, or you know a parent, grandparent, whoever, who's going into one, I highly recommend volunteer there. Um, go and, and share your talents. There's a few people in the crowd who have come to my community and volunteered their talents. A singer, I see her over there. Jenny Wood has come and sang with our residents. Um, we've had a lot of different people come out, so I think that that's, that's important. And I, 
I, one of the things that we do in all of those partnerships is we try to figure out what's cool in the community and how can our seniors get involved. So right now one of our big partnerships is with Mays High School art students. Um, they are working on a communal quilt that's being shown at Crystal Bridges um, Art Museum in Arkansas. And so they'll be going and taking a charter bus with the high school students. And that brings up intergenerational programming and intergenerational um, efforts to learn together, which is crazy awesome to see young people helping old people learn things and vice versa. Um, so that's one of our programs that we're doing right now. Um, we've had WSU classes. We did uh, national politics during the Trump, you know, that business. That was interesting for sure. Um, and we also have a creative writing class that we do with Heston University. Um, and we have uh, a book that the residents publish every year. So those are some that, that we have going on. So a couple I just wanted to highlight. Um, well I'll talk a little bit about the beekeeping class. And, and that was really kind of an interesting class when, when my staff came to talk to me about, hey, we're going to put on a beekeeping class. I said, what in the world are you thinking about? But we had a huge uh, turnout. We had a lot of folks very interested. And a lot of folks started creating their own uh, beehives in their backyard for pollination, especially if they're going to be uh, growing uh, some of their own vegetables and fruits. And so this kind of morphed into uh, some other things, uh, healthy eating, how to uh, garden, how to uh, prepare your soil, and all these things that were really necessary to really have a, a great garden. And so it was really kind of interesting how it just kind of morphed and kept, kept growing on itself. A couple other areas that, that I wanted to highlight, we do a, a glass blowing class uh, for some of our art students that, that really want to enjoy trying something new. But was also kind of interesting going back into needs. We found that there was a need for folks to really learn how to take care of their homes. Uh, things like how do you put on a shingle? How do you paint? How do you fix your doorbell? How do you take care of your house on, on, on some really basic levels? And so we got with a partner, um, Home Depot, and, and they actually came to our facilities to actually put on classes on how to take care of your house, uh, anything from plumbing to electrical. And so we found that there was a demand for some of these questions that were coming up, and these folks really wanted to learn how, how, how it's all done. Um, and then that morphed into some other classes. How are houses built, and how do you go out and buy a house? Um, so we just keep learning upon different uh, steps and keep building on that, and, and it's just a lot of fun to see how it keeps morphing into bigger and bigger classes and bigger and bigger educational opportunities. Well, I have, I have two programs I want to talk about tonight, um, and I have left um, information over on the table uh, on both of these programs. So the first one I want to share about is our lifelong learning program. And this is a program um, that we um, is open to anybody to enroll, but we really kind of designed it for seniors um, age 60 years of age and older, and Michaela has been one of our partners in the past with this. Um, so what these are, these are college classes that we take out to uh, our partner communities, their residential facilities and senior centers all around the area. Um, this semester we have nine classes and that we're offering them everywhere from Hayesville um, to Bel Air to Mays uh, and everywhere in between. And we have over 800 registrations for these uh, programs. So it's very, very exciting. Uh, it demonstrates that there's a real interest in the senior community for college level classes. We send out our faculty to the facilities and they teach the classes 
and um, there is a lot of uh, engagement and stimulating discussion, and the classes are free um, to seniors, and we have filled seven of the nine classes already, so a tremendous amount of interest. Uh, in these academic courses. And the, the topics range from astronomy to politics uh, to the history of railroads to uh, music. Uh, from Beethoven to Motown, uh, we have all sorts of, of classes that we're offering to seniors in the community at no cost to them. So I'm really, really excited about that program. And then an offset of this is on the uh, physical activity side, we have the well rep classes that are, are part of our lifelong learning program where we do exercise classes. And do you have, do you have one of the well rep, Michaela, out at Oxford? We have it at the Villa, which is our uh, active senior community, yep. So the exercise classes um, work uh, to build um, strength and balance. And we also take those, we have 21 partner communities uh, and senior centers around the area. Uh, where we are working with seniors on um, their physical um, activity. And um, so that's really exciting, tremendous um, interest. We have over 200 um, senior citizens participating in the exercise courses. And so that's very exciting as well. <coughs> and then the second program um, is on the non-credit side, and it's our community education um, uh, catalog. And we have about 55 different classes that we offer in community education for non-credit. And these range everywhere from a foreign, taking a foreign language to wine tasting to beer tasting to uh, sewing, cooking. Uh, we have all sorts of fun classes. Um, but one of the things I wanted to highlight were our day trips. We do a day trip every month to a site in Kansas or sometimes we venture into Oklahoma or Kansas City area as well. And we do visit historical sites. Um, Becky Tanner, who was a reporter for a very long time at the Wichita Eagle, goes on the trips. She um, provides some commentary um, along the way. And uh, they're really fun. Uh, we have hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of, of people, both seniors and um, it's open to people of all ages um, that uh, take um, go on these trips and they're very, very popular. So there's just so much going on for the community um, as part of our programming. As for case research and extension, I um, suggest to you to go to www.sedgwick.ksu.edu, which is our page. Um, there you are going to find so many classes that are constantly happening from uh, nutrition, and um, last uh, year, one of the agents that was, was doing nutrition for singles, because sometimes it's like, I don't know how to cook, kind of like a small amount. Uh, it could be single, it could be wi widowed, or and it was like oh, just for men, classes just for men. They would like to uh, learn how to cook. Different things that we kind of like tailor to the needs of the community. Um, we also have, horticulture has a lot of classes. Um, how to take care of your lawn, how to take care of your roses and trees, uh, how to determine how when it's uh, a time you know, to do different things to your tree. Um, we do uh, physical activity. I'm teaching uh, Stay Strong, Stay Healthy, which is for 60 and plus on uh, strengthening. Um, and we, another agent is doing the same thing, and that class just fills out so quick. Um, and so we have different things happening that I would like you to um, go to the website and, and check that out. And one of the things that we do is all our 
programs are run by volunteers. If you want your knowledge to be mastered, you teach it. You, you be a coach. And that's how we run it. And volunteers are there. They're really enjoying what they're doing. So um, I, I would like you to invite you to be a volunteer too. But uh, check, check that website, and um, you're going to find so many things happening for you. Very cool. Um, is there, we talked just briefly about research in the realm of mental health. Are there some um, aspects of, of uh, that information that's, that's more recent that was maybe unexpected or a twist to how we thought it was um, as relating to seniors, but to the general population as well? I can talk a little bit about um, some research that I think is very interesting about, it's called cognitive reserve. And I always equate this to if you're driving in uh, Dodge, you know, the, the western Kansas, I'm going to say Dodge City, um, you, you generally lose a cell signal because there aren't enough cell towers. And um, this research suggests that our brains have a plasticity to them that allows them to develop basically extra cell towers. Um, and this is this idea of cognitive reserve. And so the more active we keep our brain, and not just with... Um, like uh, crosswords, which everybody knows about in Sudoku and some of these things, but actually really challenging cognitive exercises. So things that are outside of your realm, like I've never taken beekeeping, now I want to, that's going to help my brain create cognitive reserve. Um, I don't know how to play an instrument, but I'm going to attempt to do so, or a foreign language. And that those really complex cognitive processes actually create the opportunity for the brain to build new synaptic responses and so as our brains age, which, sorry, they do, and your whole body's gonna do it, it's just what it does, um, that, that we, we have more up there, basically, that's firing and allowing us to, um, to participate and to, to engage further in our life. Um, and so that, for me, is a really wonderful piece of news. Um, dealing with people who have dementia and Alzheimer's um, and watching their brains change, it, it's really important to me that they have opportunities consistently to, to build that cognitive reserve in, in important ways. So it's not just your Sudoku's and crossword, unfortunately. Um, there has to be some complex systems that are outside your, your normal realm of, of learning um, to help do that. But it's neat that the brain is capable of that, so. I'm not gonna focus so much on the brain, but the things that we found in our research, uh, is more community-based and social aspects behind it. People connecting together, people getting more involved in the community, feeling part of the community, and uh, and maybe that does stimulate the brain a little bit more and give that gives that strength uh, through the brain. But what we're always engaging and trying to uh, measure is how many more people are getting involved with our activities and how is that going to have an impact in the community, whether they're volunteering, whether they're teaching. Uh, I, I love that what what you mentioned about the. Teaching is the ultimate mastery of, of that skill. And so giving those folks that opportunity to do that. But intergenerational activities is something that we've really been focusing on. And I, I know that's something that's important for you guys. And, and what's really great is to see uh, some of our activities where there's uh, the youth have a lot of questions about what their future is going to be coming up with and, and how they can engage with uh, some of the senior populations. So those are the things that we really measure. And we spend a lot of time uh, measuring how those impacts hit our community and, and so those are the research items that we engage on that we measure that we research more on and um, and, and employ those into our strategy for our programming 
I'll just say something really quick. Uh, there's a neat uh, research um, piece out of Rush University that talks exactly about social engagement. And the higher socialization a person has, they've even done brain scans that show that they have less plaques and tangles later if, if they do have dementia, or, you know, onset of dementia. If they have been more socially engaged in networks, it could be church, school, university, parks and rec, whatever, that, that there is just really good evidence that it's kind of a, it's, it's both things, it's both and, so. Can you explain what plaques, plaques and tangles, is that what you said? What yes, are we, What are we talking about here? So I'm sure everybody's heard it. Uh, it's it, those those two terms, but basically it's it's um, it's uh, this is the best way I can describe it that I I'm very visual. So I think about driving in Dallas, Texas. Has anybody ever been there? It's the worst. Um, it's like a bowl of spaghetti as their roads, and they just dropped it and said, "Good luck with that." And so plaques and tangles are the synapses between brain. You know, A and B. You have your cells. And it's like a knot in those synaptic responses. It's something tangles it up so that you can't get messages as well. So it's fascinating to think just being with people and like having social networks could actually help our brains heal, which I, I think is super obvious. And I'm really pumped that there's science to back it up. Because I've like always thought, yeah, right? You need to be with people. It's important. Uh, one of the things that, one of the training that I have, uh, I have been trained. Um, I teach for um, moms that have, their or parents have little kids, zero to six years old. And um, it's called Better Brains for Babies. And I think even if it's talking about in that class for babies, but it applies for everybody. One of the things that we, um, they have discovered is like between two neurons when they do the um, synapses, there is kind of like a space in between. I cannot remember the name of it because it's kind of like so scientific, but it's called the miracle grow. You can Google it, the mir brain miracle grow. And you have to be, you have to, you, your body needs to move in order to learn. The more, so we're talking about the kids, just make them, you know, especially in daycare, make those kids move. Uh, they need that because when that happened, the old uh, neuron that is like the, the dead one, will be renewed very quick with mo uh, through movement. So I think it's for everybody that uh, will be the same thing. So don't sit down, just do physical activity, learn stuff, meet people, just go to places, um, because that will keep your brain uh, functioning in a very healthy way. And I would echo basically what everybody else has said, and that's kind of why our programs are twofold, both the academic side and, and the physical activity side. And the programming that we do um, in my area is not research um, on, on senior brains, but uh, what I can tell you from having been in charge of these programs for many, many years is that what we find is that the people that participate in our programs are um, seem to be happier um, because they're engaging with their peers and they're engaging in meaningful and stimulating conversation uh, about current events and about history. And it's fascinating because they get the opportunity too to share the history that they've lived. And a lot of times they're educating the faculty <laughs> uh, member that's teaching the class as well as the other uh, participants in the class. They're sharing things um, that, that they've experienced in life and their life lessons and it's fascinating and it's meaningful to them because they are the expert um, and they're sharing that information with others. And so I think it's really uh, a morale booster um, and the socialization I think is as, as important as 
anything that they're going to learn in class. It's just getting out of their house, engaging with other people, learning new things uh, when they go on uh, trips, seeing new places. Um, that, that sometimes they're homebound or because they, they can't drive, don't drive, have no one to go with. Uh, and so this is really good uh, stimulating activity for them to get out and about and to see new things, uh, meet new people, and have new experiences that then they can share with their grandkids, their kids. Um, you know, it's, it's really um, fascinating to see. I was just going to say, I'm sorry, I just, this, I go off on tangents, so I apologize, <laughs> but um, I was thinking about, uh, are there any artists out there? I'm sure there are. There's people who are artists. There's a really good design concept called, uh, you know, repetition with constant variation. And so when I think about programming or learning, I think about that all the time. I think about what are the things I'm repeating and then where are the variables? And I think that those are also really important to your brain health is how many times do you have variables in your day? What kind of variables are you doing in your programming? And from a programming standpoint, it's really important to me that we start to get this idea from communities that we can't just provide people with a basic, here's this bingo class. You know, people, it's not enough, it's not enough. And, and I, I uh, applaud everybody up here that's doing that work because we're, we're gonna continue to need it. It's not like it's gonna go away. And, um, and good programming has those two elements. And so does good design, just so you know. I was thinking when you were talking about uh, the hierarchy of, of Maslow, um, that it says that uh, for human development, you have to have the first tier, there are different tiers, and the first one is shelter, clothing, um, food, and then the, the next one is, is um, safety, and the third one is the relationship. Um, and so there's an inner um, need that every human being has to connect. And when you do that, you get those, uh, you know, effects in people. They're happy. They because we want to belong. We want to be acknowledged. We want to uh, be part of a group. And that's something that you don't choose. Is is you're built like that. So when that happened, you're just like, is this okay? I mean, now that I know those stuff, and I see people, it's like, I know. This is cool. Um, but people have to get out and be more connected with uh, other people instead of be by themselves or with the technology. So. Um, and I saw it all the time with my families. Technology is fine. This is how we live. We have to have a balance because we're human, and we have to have that connection with others um, at home or in the community. Um, do you all think that the benefits of physical exercise or physical activity uh, kind of equal the benefits of mental activity? Do they do the same things? I mean, I'm I'm fascinated now because it seems like they're they're more interconnected than I realized, but do they kind of ac accomplish the same things or do they just sort of complement each other and do different sorts of things for a person's overall health? I've been a big lady most of my life and physical movement is still really important to me, even if my body doesn't respond. So I always think about that when I'm looking at somebody who's 94 in a wheelchair and I think really, okay, maybe they can't walk in the same way that they used to, but um, that's really not what physical exercise is, in my opinion, best at. It's really uh, good for just your brain staying steady and hormones and you know all of those, the chemicals that can be released when you're exercising. So I think it's twofold. Strength, the strengthening for seniors to me is important because you know it's about 
still being able to get out and be mobile, like doing things. Past that, mm, I don't care. But that's just me. I mean, as a large person who, d who deals with exercise in a much different way than my husband who runs marathons, which is disgusting, but um, <laughs> that's okay. He does it for, I think, mental health as well. But um, I, I think the same could be said about seniors, that, that there's a real connection to uh, this, their psychosocial well-being, but definitely physical strength is like pretty important too. What I'd like to share is a little bit about our programming <coughs> with uh, our senior, I mean our, our summer programming with the kids, summer camps. And our curriculums are very based on balancing both the physical and uh, the uh, learning aspect of it as well. So, and, and, I, and I go back to my kids at school. Uh, they, they won't learn without having the opportunity to also um, free the energy out of their bodies as well. <laughs> and so, you know, we just, just try to have that balance whenever we're putting on the curriculum or placing that curriculum into our programs. Well, I don't know if, if one is more important than the other. Um, we offer both. Um, for our, in our senior programming, um, again, I've mentioned the well rep classes that build on strength and balance. And um, that's really important as you get older uh, and to have that physical movement. And so um, our classes are designed so that they're adaptable to whatever level you are. You don't have to be extremely fit. Uh, we have a Parkinson class. Those with Parkinson participate. Um, and so uh, we can adapt those programs uh, to any level, and that's really great. Um, and then we also provide stim mental stimulation with the um, academic side, with the lifelong learning classes that we do um, in music and politics and history. In community education, we offer both physical activity. We have uh, Tai Chi, we have dance, and one of our most popular classes is our senior yoga class, where we've adapted yoga, uh, where you don't have to get down on that mat. Even I can't get down on a mat and get back up easily anymore. So um, we have um, exercise classes as well as academic classes um, for all ages. And I, I see them as being of equal importance um, because a lot of times if you didn't have um, the physical capacity, you wouldn't be able to attend um, all the other classes. You wouldn't even be able to leave your home. So um, they're both really, really important. As for uh, me, I repeat myself about the miracle growth that you should Google <laughs> uh, because I think one helps the other. Um, and as you said, also the extension have all those classes like for knowledge, for physical activity, and is anybody can, can do it. It's not like you don't have to be fit or know anything. Just you go there because you want to learn something, and so you start with ground zero, and then you build up. Um, so um, like for example, the, the Stay Strong, Stay Healthy, I have all kind of um, participants. Um, I have to have, of course, a doctor's uh, approval um, but there are people with condition, and there are people that are not. So we we're open for any um, anybody that wants have the willingness to do something new. Do you all think that today's society is better or worse at supporting that sort of mental um, strength than say 20 or 30 years ago? Do you have any kind of a read on that? Go ahead. <laughs> I think it's much stronger now. I think there's much more demand for it. I think the expectations from the community uh, with folks like, like us that are providers is, is really strong. Um, 
what's the next big thing? That what's the thing that's going to keep me engaged? Can it keep me uh, entertained? So I, I think that the demand is a lot stronger now than it was um, 20, 30 years ago. Um, and, and, and in return, the demand on us as providers is even more important and even more difficult. It's not just enough to put a program out or say we're going to do this one class. Uh, you have to find the expertise behind it, and then you have to engage people and get them interested and drag them in and, and catch them uh, with that interest. But uh, it, I, I think it's a lot more expected now than it was 20 or 30 years ago about what we need to do to keep folks educated and engaged. Uh, this, this whole idea of um, community education is, is getting bigger, and, and it's not just for adults, um, it's not just for seniors, but it's for the whole community. Uh, whether it's health and wellness, whether it's actually learning a new language, or whether it's uh, needs-based, um, it, it's getting more and more important and, and as we're getting more in interconnected. I'm just going to say, I, I think with the internet, I mean, people want and can learn all kinds of things, so there's um, definitely access, you know, is, is huge. I, I guess for me, I think it's also... Uh, there's more of a demand because um, of things like Alzheimer's. You know, people are afraid, what's going to happen to my brain? How do I keep that away? I think a lot of people are pretty scared of that. So um, I think the demand is really high, and I agree with him. The, the onus for those trying to provide that is super high. Um, with people who are volunteers sometimes teaching the classes, volunteer professors maybe do. So there's, there's, a, there's a bit of a trick there to how do you engage the community to help in this effort because um, it, it, it's very challenging and it has to be really diverse. So um, it requires a lot of uh, tricky tactics, not tricky tactics, but <laughs> clever tactics. Well, I would agree with the previous comment. Um, technology's really been a game changer. Um, and we have seen um, anymore our students, regardless of their age, they come to class with their um, iPads and their laptops. And even in the senior communities, I think, uh, Michaela, at your community, don't they have uh, tablets or iPads? They have iPads in all their rooms, and a lot of them are starting to show up with their own personal iPads and self, you know, smartphones. And that's what we're finding out, too. Um, so our, our courses have had to change. So we're doing a genealogy course, um, and we, uh, for seniors, uh, out at the Bel Air Senior Center. And we have 50 seniors, and they all come to class with tablets and computers, and they're all learning to do online genealogy. And um, we have um, other classes um, in the community education. We have scrapbooking. Well, it's not your mother's scrapbooking. It, this is all done online. It's a digital scrapbook. No need to go and buy special paper and, and punches and stickers. Um, you can do it all digitally now. There's and still a need for those <laughs> stickers and papers. <laughs> well, people still like to get a sticker. But, um, you know, technology's been a game changer in, in how we educate and... Uh, how we interact, um, uh, you know, and, and learn about things. And so um, I think that, um, and programming has become more broad. Uh, when I was growing up in the summertime, I don't think I did anything. Uh, I'm not really sure. Um, but now there, if you have children, there are so many summer camps and activities. It's unbelievable. People start enrolling uh, in Y programming and, and other, and probably, in um, parks and rec classes in February for summer. 
there's yeah basically yeah people are already saying when when is your catalog going to be out for next summer there's so much more for people of all ages whether you're um, a youth or whether you're a working professional where there's a lot of online opportunities now where you don't have to even get dressed uh, you can stay in your pajamas and you can learn something new and earn college credit for doing it um, or you're a senior citizen um, you know, there are so many more. Uh, who would have thought? I have, I have senior citizens that are taking our classes. They're so excited that the age of 80 or 90, they're a college student for maybe the very first time, and they're earning credit, and they're very excited about that. And so just so many more opportunities now than there used to be. And I think having so many research has um, increased the awareness of how to keep yourself uh, healthy. One of the things that we do at Extension, that that's the way that we need to function, is to having a advisory uh, group, and those are people from the community telling us the need that they have seen in the community, and then that's how we agents do our programs. So we have to adapt of whatever is happening in the community. If you would like to be one of those, um, uh, members of that advisory, please call that extension. You can share your ex expertise in anything, and even if you don't know in something, like you say, I don't know anything, what, uh, what you have experience on in your community, and you say, I, I feel that we need to do something about this, and that's how we create our programs. But um, the research, I think, you know, the awareness of the knowledge of how to do things. Um, I'm turning 50 this year, and when I was young, and I thought that my mom was 50, she was old. And seeing my grandma, my grandma is turning 100 next year. So um, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, but she all, all the time is physical activity. Well, well nutrition from the garden and a lot of physical activity. Um, and she's an inspiration, it's like I want to be like her. You know, I have to do some changes because uh, the way of living here is like more like fast food and things are very quick. Uh, I have to go back like my mom, my grandma's way. But I think uh, the awareness is, is a huge thing of keeping yourself updated on how to um, perform certain things and keep everything in place and to achieve what we want to be healthy. I don't know if this was part of your question, so I apologize if it's going off in a weird direction, but when you're saying, we're talking about technology, um, in senior living right now, that's one of the most like booming areas is technology-based um, engagement. And there's SaaS-based products, which basically means it's in some cloud somewhere. I don't really know more than that, so don't ask, but I, it's called SaaS-based. Um, and uh, you know that, you c that, that are rather expensive, but a lot of senior communities are using them as a supplement to, um, to engage with residents. And so you have videos and music and all of these different areas of, of engagement. And I think that's only going to increase. Um, you know, while I think human contact is very important, we've had some incredibly amazing moments with 90-year-olds who have never used FaceTime and who are seeing their sister who lives in California at an assisted living for the first time in I don't know how many years, and it makes me super emotional to even think about it. It's awesome. So I think there's a use for that. And, and you know, speaking from this panel, just age-wise, I'm guessing I might be maybe young here. I don't know. But um, I, I think I'm representing what, you know, part of what's coming. There is that there is a need for technology, um, and, and I think it can be helpful. It can also be harmful, I think. So it's a balance. Um, do you guys think that Wichita's um, kind of beyond the degree learning programs 
compare well with other cities? Are we all moving in the right direction? How's Wichita stacking up as far as what we offer to the community? <laughs> so I've been here in Wichita for four years, and I think a lot about my prior experience in Austin um, and in San Antonio. There was like a lot offered. There was so much going on, and and whether it was and, and, and you mentioned the uh, beer tasting, but there was beer beer making classes, um, which I took, and uh, there, there was definitely a need for that, but. I feel that there's a lot more opportunity here in Wichita. I think there's opportunities for us to uh, bring some new ideas from other other cities, other cultures, other locations, and uh, th there's definitely some opportunities here to grow our community education here in Wichita. Um, that's just my, my perspective from the Parks and Recreation area, but as I'm also finding out, I'm learning about some other opportunities that I, that I didn't know about that I definitely want to um, leverage and share with some of my other partners and let them know that there's other opportunities and we need to find out where to find those other opportunities. I was just going to say for senior for senior living, I think Wichita has some interesting things happening, but it's a paradigm shift that's happening in the way that traditional activities and education happen in assisted living, nursing home environments. Um, and it's pretty behind the curve, to be honest. Uh, I, they don't hire generally people who have art degrees and are tattooed. That's not a normal thing. Um, I, the norm is is very the bingo Bible study manicure model. Um, and I think Wichita, I, I personally love Wichita. I think it's great. I, I think we need to work a little bit more on the community aspect of how do we communicate with each other about what's going on because there are so many great things and stop focusing so much on this idea that we have to continually innovate because um, I think that leads to some inauthentic programs and things that just sound good on paper, but they don't actually have a lot of sustenance or substance for people. So I think building these connections of, oh, you're doing that? I didn't know that. We need to work on that infrastructure. And I agree on that. Um, I am like to be involved in the community on panels and things like that, and there's a lot of going on. But like you say, they're like silos. We don't know what's going on with the other one. And, and I believe in merging resources that make that unique and, and strong and more meaningful. Um, I think it's going on, a lot of things going on, but it's not known to each other. Well, I would agree. I would agree with Elizabeth that there is a lot going on here in the community. And uh, the biggest challenge is making people aware of everything. Um, you know, we try to do a good job of putting our information out um, through all sorts of different channels, um, but people still are unaware of the programs. And I think the need is even greater than, than what we're meeting. Um, like I said, we have over 800 seniors um, enrolled in 30 uh, programs, being both our um, academic and our exercise classes. And I'm full. I am full on those classes. I could offer more and I would have more enrollment. I have more people that want to partner, more facilities than I have faculty to offer the classes. I don't even know where the demand ends um, because no matter how many I offer and every semester I keep increasing the number of offerings, I move them around the community strategically so that they're accessible to seniors no matter where they live. And I still cannot meet the demand that exists. Uh, community education, we have over a thousand community members that participate in our programs. Um, and again, um, 
I've, I've increased our, our offerings um, probably by 20 programs a semester. And our trips, they fill in two weeks. I, and I, I add more buses. And I can't add enough buses. I still have waiting lists. Um, so there's such a demand and an interest in our community. And even though a lot is going on with all of our various programs, there's still so much to be done. And there's still a need for so much more. That segues pretty well into an audience question that I have here, um, saying all of these programs sound amazing, but is there any area in either the demographics that you reach or in the types of classes that you offer that needs improvement? Funding, money, um, always you know resources. I started working in non-for-profit with kids a long time ago and opened an art center, and we were you know did recreation, theater, music, art kind of multidisciplinary programming for these kids. And we started out with um, $150 a month for 160 kids for 365 days a year programming. Um, so there's a huge onus on the people who are the programmers to figure it out, make it happen. You know, um, I'm pretty crafty and clever and maybe a bit tricky. And so I was able to do that. Um, but in the long run, you're talking, now I'm working for a, a for-profit organization and there's still a funding issue. Of you want this high, um, you know, you want this high level of programming, and you want lots and lots of things happening. The national average for activity workers or in communities is 100 residents to one director. Um, my company does incredible, by the way. We have seven staff in a place with 87 residents. So if that gives you an idea, we're we're working towards something much better. But I think funding is always an issue. People need to think about where do we want to put our money and what's the value and the return on that because um, we we've just mentioned you know, mental health, we've mentioned physical health, you know, the need, the desire, it's all there, but it's about people wanting to let go of some of the money, in my opinion. So I can echo that very loudly in regards to needing funding. Um, th there is a huge demand of folks that, that are looking for programming and, and want this uh, neighborhood connection. And as I'm trying to match my funding and my staff, and, and you mentioned ratios, uh, my staff, I have a, a staff of about 20 recreation professionals, and we're programming for 400,000 people. Um, and, and it just gets kind of lost in, in the overview of everything that we're trying to get done. But um, one of the other areas that I think is something that we want to focus more on, obviously, is our youth. and having that foundation, teaching them how to learn, teaching them how to uh, soak up that information, I think is something that we're really working hard on, but that's something that is one of our weaknesses as well. And uh, they get this opportunity at school, but that's not enough. They need to get it at home. They need to get it from their friends. They need to get it while they're out there playing baseball or, or football. They need to get it at the community center. Um, it needs to be constant. And, and that's something I think, um, I know my staff is always really working hard on and uh, try and make that connection and uh, teaching people how to learn. At Extension, we focus on low-income families um, because sometimes the financial piece of it doesn't allow them to participate on things that have a fee. So um, we try to really work on those um, um, people that, uh, you know, the resources are not there um, and people that have different languages. I am focusing on bringing the, much, the moral education that I have for Hispanic 
And I believe that you need to learn a language that you live in, but they are different levels of learning. Um, if it's a young kid, they will, they will uh, learn that language like naturally. If it's grandma coming, maybe she will never can talk. <laughs> she can understand some things, but like th themes that I have for parenting and, and relationship, those are th deep things that I have to go in their own language and be part of the culture to understand things. So we are focusing on things like that, that they are in disadvantage in a community. Well, I would echo the other comments about funding. Funding and staffing are my two biggest obstacles for expanding my programs. For lifelong learning with the senior citizens, I'm a staff of one. And that's one of the one sixth of the job that I have to do every single day. And so um, nine, planning these nine classes was, was a lot. And to think about adding more is um, daunting, but I'm gonna try. Um, and community education um, uh, is the same way. Uh, we have the staff, the myself, and, and I have a coordinator. And so uh, we do a lot with, with what we have. But I've been fortunate in that the university has financially backed the lifelong learning, uh, wanting uh, affordability and accessibility to not be obstacles to senior citizens to participate in these programs. So the university is, um, the Board of Regents provides um, that anybody 60 years of age and older can audit four credit courses uh, and not pay tuition. So and the university's taken that one step farther by offering scholarships to those over the age of 60 for fees, uh, their application fee um, as well. So that, that affordability is not an object for anybody that wants to participate in a lifelong learning program. And the exercise courses are also scholarship as well. So that's wonderful. Um, and that's on the credit side. And also we're offering online badge courses, which are short courses uh, for high school students as well as working professionals where they can take up to one credit hour. And the university is providing scholarships for those courses as well. So on the credit side, there's a lot of financial support for people who want to take a class from WSU. On the non-credit side, um, Basically, I get no financial support from the university for those courses. I have to pay all of the costs, the marketing and the instructional costs myself. So that somewhat limits um, what I can do in community education and the uh, number of courses that I can offer. So um, you know, given the, the, the staffing that we have uh, and the financial constraints, you know, I think we're doing a good job. But as I've mentioned before, there's just so much uh, more that we could be doing if we had the resources. I'm just gonna add a probably unpopular thing. I think we have a PR issue also, <laughs> where we, I, I don't know, when I first, uh, when, I, when I first hear the word or when I've heard the word community um, education, I think kind of like wah, wah, you know, it's, like, it's not a very s sexy word <laughs> or something. Like it, it, th that concept, I think we have a PR issue, or PR issue of how do we promote that to people because once you've taken a class or once you've seen the impact of a senior taking a college course for the first time and like literally and I'm gonna tell this really quick story we had a senior who was 92 who took the national politics course and we got our WSU shirt we took a picture of her as a first-time student she literally made her Christmas cards that picture <laughs> I mean that's like the, it, it is a very cool thing but we have a problem with how we communicate it I think to let people know the value of 
um, continuing education because it just doesn't sound real cool, I don't think. It's not a cool word. We need a new word. So if y'all have one. <laughs> we can brainstorm a little bit after. Um, do you all have any data or information at all about whether these educational opportunities improve our overall economy, maybe by minimizing the need for more extreme health care or um, earlier health care for seniors or uh, maybe minimizing insurance draws or anything? Do we know anything about how this affects our community economy at all? I can only speak about how it impacts um, our kind of bottom line and what our engagement numbers are. Um, we do a lot of assessment. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Maria Montessori, but the Montessori method has become really popular in working with folks who have dementia. And one of the big pieces of that is assessment. So how do you assess what you're doing? So we run back in analytics to look at what is the engagement, what are our programs doing, and what's most popular, and what is our overall engagement numbers. And since we've done that, we've seen a reduction in, um, in issues with, uh, we, with strokes has been in our community. We can't make a direct correlation necessarily, but we're starting to wonder what does that mean. Um, I can tell you when working in psychiatric with kids, uh, year over year for five years when we had really high engagement or education programs, both recreational theater, we had a 95% reduction in restraints and seclusions or violent episodes. Um, prisons can tell you the same thing about education programs, working in a, in a prison, which I've done. Um, you see a reduction in violent episodes when people are more engaged. So I, I think that there is definite, I, I don't know how to suss out the numbers there, because that's not my thing. But I, I can tell you that I can see it happening, and I think there's a lot of interesting um, questions that bring up. This has some value, and I think if we get good at proving that, somebody's going to give us more money. Those are the measurements that are really important. <coughs> it's coming back with those stories, um, but mine are very, uh, the feedback is very general that we get. And, and so folks that have taken our classes, whether you know, going back to the beekeeping and then they ended up learning how to grow their own uh, vegetables and, and uh and uh, taking care of their garden. They've come back and said, you know, we've saved so much money by now we are growing our own food and we wouldn't have been able to do that if we didn't take this class. So it's these impacts of self-improvement that might have some impact on their financial day-to-day uh, -day aspects of their, of their budget, but it's very anecdotal and I don't have hard data and evidence to, to really measure and that would be really something that I think would really be helpful for the whole um, community education communities to find out how we make those impacts and <coughs> going back and asking for the funding that we need to make it even that strong that much stronger so community education continuing education is very important to the local economy and I get asked this a lot uh, what do you contribute to the local economy well a lot when we're out trying to recruit businesses and I say we that's the city uh, and the county, they're trying to bring new businesses in, or they're trying to retain uh, employers in this region. One of the things that's important is how strong continuing education and community education opportunities are. Because these people uh, need continuing education, uh, and that's what we offer in our workforce education, to um, either um, be workforce ready, or to prepare for an upskilling or new careers. And so employers look to uh, universities like WSU as the provider 
of that type of education, and they need that in order to recruit and retain employees. Also, those employees bring families, and they have children who want summer camps and youth programming through parks and recreation. They may bring parents with them who need uh, places to live in senior communities and uh, activities, or you hope that those people will remain in your community forever and eventually retire here. And so you want to have strong community education, strong continuing education to meet the needs um, of people of all ages. And that's really important. If any of you have ever moved to a new community and you're, or you've had the opportunity um, to uh, be interviewed for a job in a new community, and you go there and you're looking at all the things, um, the educational opportunities, how good are the schools, how good are the recreational activities, how good are the senior activities, how, what kind of uh, programming, the extension type programs, um, um, gardening classes, um, youth classes, all the things that uh, makes you want to live in a community. Well, that's what all of us here are offering. We're offering things that strengthen the community and make it a good place to raise a family and to live and work. One of the things that we do at Extension, and for every class that we do any workshop, we have to have evaluations. And so we constantly are bring, uh, receiving feedback of changes and that are happening in the people's life. Um, for example, we have at Stay Strong, Stay Healthy, there's two ladies that um, they have been like maybe um, first, first level and second level, and they did the bone density uh, test and they improved it. So things like that, uh, that we constantly are having, um, but things like when you learn how to take care of your things, like taking care of the lawn, taking care of your um, trees uh, to avoid the erosion or having your own garden, all those things have to bring some kind of good impact. We don't have those numbers, but we know that it's happening. Um, Elizabeth, I have a question from an audience member who wants to know if all of the extension classes are in West Wichita or if you have them in other locations. We as agents are called to be everywhere in Sedgwick County, everywhere. So uh, we have East, West, North, and South. Um, uh, but to know uh, when we're, where are we going, it is better to be checking that in a website. Uh, we put that in our Facebook. We have the extension Facebook. Um, and we also have a website. Facebook is the one that is constantly telling you what's going on in our website. For the, there's an event column that you go there and check. But everybody is on the field, should be in the field doing uh, all programming. Um, now, are there some programs or different classes that are maybe on the horizon or, or uh, changes or innovations um, that are, are coming that you all are excited about that would be uh, helpful for the work that you're doing or uh, just new, new classes or new ideas that uh, we, we can look forward to seeing later on? So one of the things that we've been working on <coughs> There's been a lot of interest in drones, and uh, we actually have a class on drone making and drone racing. Uh, so something that we're going to be putting on next uh, spring is, is primarily for the kids to, to actually put together, piece together a drone, and then they get to go out and race it against each other. So there's that opportunity for them to actually put something together and then actually have some fun with it. Um, so that I think that's pretty creative. It's a little bit different. Um, but we're, we're always coming up with some really interesting ideas. 
We're getting ready to do a job fair um, series with seniors who are going to educate students, young people, um, that will interview them for a job fair. Um, because when you've you know worked in, as a lifelong engineer, but now you're retired, um, you have an, a lot to offer. So we're working with May's, um, May's school district on a program to engage with our seniors and kind of that idea of them becoming the teachers, um, which they really get into. And uh, we did like a little mock one and it went super well um, and, and the kids loved it. So that's, that's one program. Another one is we work um, with something called Grand Friends where we, um, and we wanna extend this to some other preschools where we go in and do classical music and movement um, with seniors um, who dance with little people and it's just about as cute as I just told you. It's everything. At the extension, um, there's a um, garden that every year they focus on something new. Like this year was peppers, and I was very excited because they uh, were planting a Puerto Rican pepper, and even I have the first peppers. <laughs> and but every year is something new that is happening there. Um, 4-H is all about STEM, you know, I was thinking about 4-H is just animals and crafts. No, it is very, I mean, we are reading the need of the community and it is very uh, obvious that STEM have to be there. So they're, they're doing drones and all those stuff. And uh, so it is something that is cool. One of the things that I have done for tw since 2010 is called bonding through board games. And it's every other month we have the community families coming and playing board games. We believe on the face-to-face -face interaction and that connection of bonding. Uh, I wrote a, a, um, a lesson that um, is going to be taught next year. And so if you want information about that, it's just a lesson. And then if you're interested, we make the event with the group that is inviting us. We go to schools, churches, uh, any group that wants to um, have that board games experience, and uh, I think I am very excited about that. Cool. Um, I always like to wrap up these conversations with ideas for ways that people can help with whatever whatever the topic is. Um, how can we help one another? We've gotten into it just a little bit, but uh, what are some of the things, maybe the, the top ideas that uh, you would share or, or things maybe that we haven't talked about yet for ways that we can all just kind of chip in and help one another. I think everybody has something to give. Um, like you say, you know, maybe have a profession that is retired. That knowledge is there. I mean, you're an expert now, you know. Uh, and we need that information. We need that help to make our programs uh, much um, attractive and uh, updated, you know. Um, so don't think that you, I don't have anything, you always just think, just when you go home, it's like, okay, what I have to give? Um, and if not, it's that you know, I'm here as a volunteer, what do you need? And maybe you're going to discover a new level that you haven't seen before. Well, I think on the panel, we can all help each other by sharing information. Um, I'm aware now of some new programs that I wasn't aware of. I frequently get phone calls from people who are looking for specific classes. I had someone that wanted an in-design class. Well, it's not something that I do through community education, but at City Arts did it. Mm -hmm. So I sent them over there. Um, the goal is to get people uh, and to meet their needs and get them to the right, the right place that can help them. And so being aware of what we're all doing is going to be very, very helpful. Um, also, um, 
much like Elizabeth said, that um, I'm always open to new ideas. I get phone calls from people all the time that says, hey, I have an expertise in this particular area, whether it's beekeeping or raising backyard chickens. And I say, great, sounds like a good <coughs> community education class. So I'm always looking for people who are content experts, who, who have knowledge and expertise in certain areas. So I always welcome uh, for people to contact me with their ideas for new programming. Um, because if they have an interest in it, chances are there are a lot of other people that are interested in that same area as well. So um, that would be very helpful as well. We'd like to echo the same thing. I think there's a lot of opportunities for us to share information. And, and I've seen this happen so many times where a group of really motivated, fantastic, wonderful people with want to educate the world and we all get together and we want to try to put one common place where we can get all this information and for some reason it always kind of falls apart. But the place that, that is really common is that we are uh, connected to a lot of folks that come to our programs and that's where we really need to ask these folks is to share that information with other people. You guys uh, have more influence on anybody and everybody else across the city uh, than, than us put together. You guys, uh, we, we get a lot of our uh, classes from word of mouth. Uh, people hear about it from somebody else. So it's really important to share that information. Say, you know what, I, I, I heard these folks talk about all these programs and you should check this out. And make sure you, you tell their friends to check it out as well. Um, because over and over again, whether it's been uh, for special events or whether it's been for community education or um, health and wellness activities, we try to find a common deposit so we can share all this information, and it's a huge effort to make that happen, and, and I think it's always a worthy cause, but it always kind of falls apart a little bit, and we ultimately fall back on the uh, word of mouth from the folks from you guys coming out and, and learning about this. So I think I just want to make sure that you guys share that with, with everybody as well. Um, I'd echo everything everyone here said. Uh, I think that really awesome to repository for that information is KMUW's community uh, calendar. I'm not just trying to plug KMUW, but legitimately I go to that thing all the time <laughs> for information. Um, and I think it's a worthwhile place. Public radio is an incredibly important thing to support for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, and one of them is that it's public and that it's a bunch of people who come together. For me, that's, that's really what it's about. Stop being afraid of each other. Um, stop being scared of old people. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just people. Um, they have cool things you don't know about and vice versa. So I would encourage anybody who's young out there to talk to old people and maybe talk to me about coming and talking to them. And um, but, but I'm really all about like get over the fear of whatever it is that you're scared of learning and just uh, ha you know continue to have a really insatiable curiosity because why not? Because there's too much out there to understand and know and we're all pretty dumb I think so we can learn <laughs> lots of new things. You're not dumb people. I appreciate all of you. Talking about volunteers, it came to my mind this lady that wants to help, but she's, she said, I am not going to be in stage, so to speak. I want to be backstage. And I say, you know, we have a place for everybody. So don't think that you know, I know I'm not like that. Outgoing, I cannot be. No, you, you have a part of uh, on you that you want to help. We are going to accommodate on whatever you, your talent is. So. It just came to my mind, this lady is like, I need to say that because everybody thinks that you have to be like, you know, the outgoing one. No, everybody has their own forte and that's what we use or we want to, you to share. 
While you all were answering that question, I had one more audience question. I just want to be able to slip this in so they get their question answered, too. Um, how do you measure success in community education? There's a couple different ways. Uh, <clears throat> I, when I have to deal with my boss and talk about budget, uh, they want to find the bottom line, and they want to find out what was the return on investment. Um, you put in this much work and this much effort, how much did that really have an impact? And there's a lot of things that you just can't measure. Uh, you can't measure um, somebody's uh, uh, glee and, and wonderful experience on something. Uh, you can ask them for a, a feedback card and evaluation and, hey, they got all tens. That's fantastic. <coughs> but it d depends on who you talk to. And, and, um, and unfortunately, some of the things that I have to deal with are very much financially backed. And so we're looking for that return on, on an investment. But the immeasurable things, I think, are, are things that are really important to me and important to my staff. When we uh, have reached out, I'll, I'll give an example, is we actually taught a class on food handling. And so people could go get their food handling license. And because we did that, we actually had about uh, 20 people um, who were Spanish speakers, and they came to a class, and we were able to teach them uh, not only how to get their food handling license, uh, but how to start a small business and how to learn a little bit of English to get them started. And you know what? Those folks went out there and started their own business. And, and actually, they, they're on a couple of them are actually doing food trucks in our parks and in our, some of our special events as well. So I can't measure that. I can't go back and say this is how much of an impact they've had. but. I know that we've made an impact in the community. I know these folks feel a little bit more part of the community. And so those are the things that I'm looking for. Um, but uh, unfortunately, the bottom line is I have to go back and report to my bosses and say, this is, this is the, uh, the return on investment that we made that's, that's measurable. And sometimes those don't, numbers don't look so great. Um, and, and that's where we're always looking for the extra funding. That's where we're always looking for that extra support. Um, I think investing in uh, tools to help you run analytics is really important, and um, our company has done a good job of that. We have right now a 96% participation rate in our buildings, which um, the national average right now I think is 23% in assisted livings. That means that 23% of a pop, well, you, you know percentage, but um, so for me it's becoming a better storyteller. Um, <laughs> and I don't mean lies, I mean finding ways to communicate to the people who want to know about ROIs and KPIs and all this stuff that honestly at the end of the day I could care less about. Um, I care about people, not just for them, and I care about experience. And so um, that's, th that's where my core is, but I also realize they want to see some numbers. So finding places where you can get some of those numbers, even if they're not the full picture, um, people who like numbers like them. And so it's been helpful to say, here, we have 90%, you know, 96% participation, and, and that's been helpful. So I think, in general, um, I would love to work with some statisticians or some people who could help create tools for people who are doing community education to be able to tell the story in the ways that they, you know, that funders are going to understand because they want to know. And sometimes you have to give them a number even if it's not great. Sometimes it can be great, but I think having the right tools is important. Also, as I agents, it's as part of our teaching, like I said, we have an evaluation. We have a lot of data um, of gender, of ethni uh, race, ethnicity, and I mean, it's all the time like that. So we have all those numbers. 
But for me, more than numbers, um, I know it's important, but the way that people are um, calling to be part of the, the program, uh, how the program fills out quick, um, that tells us that we are in the right, right track of the need of the, of the community. Um, and the feedback, I mean, there's so many good stories that we have all the time of the impact of that person and, and their lives. So I think that numbers are good for money, but for me, I'm kind of like more what is really happening, what is the impact. Could be it could be a lot of numbers, and if, if there's no quality for me, it's not really a change. So. So I measure success just like everybody else. I measure it with money, I measure it by the evaluations, <laughs> but most importantly, I measure success by the number of returning students that I see every semester. And I know that we're doing a good job when I see the same faces over and over and over again. And so that's really how I measure success. All right, thank you all so much. That was such a wonderful conversation. Why don't we have a big round of applause for our panel? That was fabulous, a lot of good information. Um, if you all would please join us next month for our last Engage ICT event before Election Day. Um, and in that spirit, we'll be discussing political philosophy and political values and kind of the psychology of disagreement. It's going to be fascinating. Um, that's Tuesday, October 16th, right here at Roxy's. So please uh, mark your calendars for that. Also, um, our little sign-in sheet that we had going around, we have a winner um, of the Wichita flag pin, and that's Vern Voth. We'll have it for you at the KMEW table over here. Again, thank you so much for coming out tonight. We really appreciate it, and have a wonderful evening. Thanks for joining us for Engage ICT Democracy on Tap. Find more podcasts and videos at engageict.org. This show was hosted at Roxy's Downtown in Wichita, Kansas. The engineer is Mark Statzer, Beth Golay is the producer, and I'm the host. For KMUW, I'm Sarah Jane Crespo.